Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, Derek here for episode number 30 for Gamer Heroes, the big 3-0. I've got my co-host John with me. Yo, welcome back. John has internet for the first time in like three weeks. 28 days to be exact. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of updating and it's a lot of uh, getting back in touch with reality, so I'm digging it. And we've got a guest with us this week, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Ryan is one of the co-hosts of Screen Heroes, our other podcast series that I do with him. The slightly superior podcast series you should definitely check out. Actually, the uh, Better Than Below Average. (laughs) Better Than Below Average? average. Wow. Wow. It's Um, exactly what I'm saying. I know. This is one big happy family. But Ryan, you've been on before, right? You've been I on have. Gamer Heroes. Couple what, what times. We, I don't even remember what we talked about. We talked about. about Overwatch once, and because I'm the only one in this group that play, plays Overwatch, apparently, and then He's also lying, uh, just so you know. I also fought in somebody's place against John for some characters in your death ba- death match. Objection. And I he, won every uh... single round on that one. Just wanna because he would he failed to guys go ahead and watch, listen to those uh, podcasts again. But he failed to give up that uh, his man. Gordon Freeman, who he will be talking about wholeheartedly today, um, <laughs> would lose. He wouldn't no, let him lose. No, that's not why. I, I argued better points than you, and you had nothing to rebuke them. And Derek, as a third-party judge that was, uh, uh, you know, didn't have a, a hero in the fight, agreed that Gordon Freeman would win. So your poor arguing skills are what lost that fight. It's true. Don't Don't blame the hero. Blame the game, right? No, I'm blaming the player. <laughs> the game was sound, man. The game was sound. That's right. Uh, for those who have no idea what we're talking about, a few months back we did a uh, a video game hero mashup where we put character against character and battled it out in a tournament that took several episodes. So you can go and check those out at heroespodcast.com and on iTunes and in Google Play as well as Blog Talk Radio, so go check that out. But this week we got some news we're going to cover. We're going to talk about Nintendo. We're going to talk about Sony PlayStation VR. We'll be talking about Half-Life 3 and Overwatch, and so that's what we're going to dive into. So first up, um, Atari, actually, which was not on that list, but um, Atari announced a little while back that they were going to be coming back into the console game. And they announced the Atari box, which is what they're calling their new console. And we got a glimpse of it, and we we posted and talked a bit about that before. But they announced today that a crowdfunding campaign will launch this fall in 2017, and they plan to start shipping the unit in spring 
of 2018, which if I remember right, John, is what I had anticipated for the release. Yeah, yeah, you actually predicted that they would try to get it out. You said early 2017, or excuse me, late 2017, early 2018, and you were pretty much on the money there, which is really surprising considering they're planning on hitting the market right after, you know, Christmas and the and when people have already spent all their money. Well, I mean, that's when the Switch launched. The Switch was an anomaly, and and <laughs> the reason for it is Nintendo has a specific type of market that it targets, and it does it very well. It's not – this is supposed to be a big – this is supposed to compete with, you know, PlayStation Xbox and Sony. And PlayStation, yeah. Excuse me, Sony and Xbox, yeah, um, considering that they've hinted at the specs being higher. So that, that that's the difference there. So it's kind that's of bold. True. It's kind of bold. How, how do you guys feel about this being a crowdfunding effort? I think it's great. More things need to be crowdfunded, and you know, there's there's a lot of movies and games and stuff like that that I would happily contribute to, even though they're made by a studio, they just can't get funding. Um, if they just crowdfunded it, I think it's fine. I hope hope it's the start of more crowdfunding campaigns. It's becoming more and more popular and easier um, for that to happen. So, I guess the question for me would be like. Um, when you crowdfund something, do you is it like a Patreon or excuse me, not like a Patreon, like a GoFundMe, like um, like a Kickstarter? Exactly, what that's where I'm going. So you get perks or or like how does that? Well, really I would work? imagine that I would imagine the one of the perks would be the console. For sure, but um, some people, I'm not saying me, but like some people, although they want to fund, you know, they're willing to give more money if they have a little more incentive. Well, I'm sure you'll get a T-shirt and some Atari stickers too. That's all I'm asking for, man. Yeah, if you I give mean, me a shirt, yeah, that's an extra fifty dollars. If you contribute, like, I don't know how much the console is going to cost. But let's say it's a hundred dollars. If you contribute a hundred dollars, you not only get the hundred dollar thing, which would be the console, but then you also get usually the tiers below it, which would probably be shirt or stickers or like a shout out on their website or something. See, that's cool because, in my opinion, that I, I can totally back that up because. Hey, not only am I getting uh, additional stuff, whatever, but I'm also getting the content at retail price, in my opinion. So, well, so that's I mean, usually crowdfunding efforts, you pay. Sometimes you pay more than retail price, depending on what it is. And this unit is supposed to be, like you said, a competitor to the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One. Um, so I can't imagine it that the the contribution level required to get the console can be any lower than three or four hundred bucks. Well, yeah, when I said a hundred dollars, that was just a generic number. Just as I didn't actually think it was yeah. going to be a hundred dollars. Okay, I was just checking. I wasn't Simple sure. Simple math. Simple math. Um, but yeah, e- either way, that's that's still an incentive for a lot of people to crowdfund. When will that be available? When can I start crowdfunding this? Sometime this fall. That's the only date that we have right now. Cool. So I would imagine probably around the October and November timeframe since we're hitting September today that this episode releases is September 1st. So um, I don't think this month because I think they would have just had a date at that point. So I'm leaning towards end of October or maybe November. Okay. So perhaps we spend our money on that this this Christmas. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, I did just buy a Switch, and I need to upgrade my PC. So as much as I think the Atari box is a cool idea, 
Derek right is anti-Atari. He'll buy every no, no, other no. console on the market except for the Atari. I'm not. I'm actually very <laughs> no, pro-Atari. He actually wants this a lot. Yeah, I'm very pro-Atari, but I'm just not sure that the timing is good because when you think about it, I mean, basically each of the last three years I've bought a console. There was the Xbox One, the PS4, the Switch. I upgraded my Xbox One to the S. Not the X, just the S. Um, you know, and uh, I upgraded... Um, my 3ds at one point to the 3ds xl and uh you know so i think at this at this stage my pc is hurting and i use that for a lot more than just games so i'm not sure that uh the money will be there i guess i assumed that i would be paying for this in the spring not in the fall and then waiting six months gotta bump up that pc game man um, well, he has to actually play games on PC for that big difference. <laughs> I, I, I'll have to admit, I, I egged Ryan on for that one. <laughs> I play PC games. When was the last playing... time you played a game on PC, Derek? Last weekend. Okay. What'd you play? The original Left 4 Dead. Okay. So, doesn't really count because you could play that on a brick. Oh, okay. I didn't don't say that. You don't need to update was... your PC for that. Well, no, 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 of course not. I need to upgrade my PC for all of the multimedia development that I do for the Heroes Podcast Network. That's what you have the laptop for. <laughs> uh, I do have a laptop for that, and it is pushed to its max because it's a laptop, and it's not designed for video processing and production. So, so after we're done quizzing Derek... <laughs> what yes, are we... I'm not quizzing him, I'm accusing him. Let's move on to a different topic. Um... John, why don't you tell us a bit about what's going on with Sony? Sony, on uh, August 28th, said that they are going to drop their prices of the PlayStation VR. They're actually going to include the camera, which brings it down $50. Currently, it's sitting at $450. We'll be able to get it... um, I believe across the U.S. here in September, so yeah, actually starting this week, um, for $399. Canada will get it for $499. So this is only North America, by the way. Still not enough of a discount for me to justify purchasing it, but definitely moving in the right direction. So well, are you? I don't know how much you guys talk about PC uh, stuff on here since you, John, Derek doesn't really play PC stuff. But um, the Vive, <laughs> yeah, as actually a took a price drop price as well. Too. I don't know yeah. if you guys talked about that last week, so I don't listen to this podcast. But uh, yeah, five ninety nine. Hey, I think it is. Ryan, I think it's important that you know that according to John, it's pronounced the Vive. No, it's definitely not the Vive. V Vive, so, whatever. Okay, no, we all know. I, okay, but either I know way, what you're talking about this is uh, good good sign for the market for me because that means they're making they're getting closer and closer to a price point that I think people in general are willing to pay. Right now you got the elite people who like gimmicky shit. I don't think it's gimmicky. That's the thing is like it's VR is not a gimmick. VR is the way the market is going and you can you can write that down and and, and uh come back in 2 years and talk to me about it. Uh, and it's going to still be the fact. It's going to be even bigger. I mean, that's the way the market is going. The thing, though, Ryan, and we can debate this all day, but the thing is, is it's just VR is not at a point to me where I think it really enhances my gaming experience. Have you tried it? Well, have you tried a Vive? I have not tried a Vive. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm saying that if you did, it would probably blow your mind because it's uh, it, it 
for a lot of people, it makes them feel like they're in a completely different world, and they lose the sense that they're even, you know, of what's even happening around them, and, and maybe whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I think right now it's a bit more gimmicky because it's so expensive. People think it's a gimmick, but I don't. I do think that's the way that gaming is heading in the future, and the fact that uh, oh, sure. the headsets and and like the light boxes and stuff for. Uh, the Vive are coming down in price is a good sign. And it's well, not going to be in every house, but it's going to be a lot bigger here soon. Actually, uh, believe it or not, PSVR has already sold 2 million units, which is very shocking as a number to me, because that's a lot of... That, that's the cost of a whole console we're talking here that they've sold um, 2 million times. But, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, that number is... That number is 1 million with 5 million PSVR games sold. Sorry about that. Uh, 1 million is a lot of units. And you're Uh, you're averaging 5 games a unit, which is on top of whatever the average is for the non-VR games. So you're talking a lot of games, and some of these are unique. I mean, a game like the Star Trek Bridge Simulator, uh, Bridge Crew, you can't play that not on VR. It, it's just not an option versus, you know, yeah, Fallout 4 in VR, you could play just regular Fallout 4. That That's true. And maybe that is an example of a game that's a gimmick, but VR in general as a technology can be really interesting and unique. I think it, it's important to mention that, like, the reason why I say, the main reason why I say it's not a gimmick at this point is because um, there's actual, like, large corporations using it for training. Walmart and I think uh, KFC have both developed VR training for their uh, employees. And I mean, it's not across the entire company for either of those companies, but uh, the fact that they put resources into developing the training for VR, um, and those are huge, when they do put that out to every store, I mean, how many Walmart stores are there? I mean, thousands. So that's that's a huge deal. Uh, And that that tells me that it's going to only get bigger. No, I, yeah. I think you're totally right, and it has a lot of applications, not just in training, but in just different fields as a whole, research, medical fields, um, prototyping of you know, new technologies, new vehicles, all that type of stuff is can be simulated, um, and it's just really a matter of time before it becomes more mainstream. I think the real issue right now from a consumer level is just the price of it, because you can walk into a store and get a PS4 for two or 250 and then it's still 400 on top of that for PSVR. So which is the lower end of VR at this point. Right. Yes. I mean yeah. if you if you don't include stuff that requires your phone in a head unit, right? So Well, yeah, that, that that stuff's not real VR. I mean, it's it's Well, it is. I mean, think by definition it is, but when you're talking about the non-gimmicky VR, it doesn't it's not in that. That's a gimmicky VR. Well, so it is the the cheap VR. There is some stuff in there like the simulators of museums and landscapes and, and other things like that with Google Earth. Those are not gimmicky. I think they can be really used for education for people who can't afford to take big field trips and things like that. So that's more of a educational tool than it is a gaming tool, but I, I would not call it gimmicky. It's just a different niche. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, the price dropped and, uh, that's all that matters. Step in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about uh, what we got coming up here, Derek. What what are we really excited for? 
Uh, well, um, so we don't have a date for this yet, but we will be hopefully interviewing Imogen Farm, the creators of SteamWorld uh, Dig and SteamWorld Heist. And they announced today that SteamWorld Dig 2, which is a game I have been anticipating for a long time and I'm very excited about, will drop on Nintendo Switch September 21st for uh, $19.99. And it comes to Switch first. It'll come to some other platforms later. Um, PS4 and Steam, we're going to be getting it a, a few days later is what the press release says. Um, but uh, Switch owners get it on day one, on, on the 21st there. You're starting and, to see uh, that a lot more. Um, a lot more of these indie-type games relaun- uh, launching on bigger platforms such as PlayStation and Xbox. I feel like Switch, well, though, is kind of from the get-go. is like, we're going to do this. Well, keep in mind, though, that SteamWorld Dig and SteamWorld Heist are both available on these other platforms already. Um, Shovel Knight is available on other platforms. That's the Yacht Club game that was a really big indie hit. So it really just depends on how successful the game is. And then they can, can, can they then afford dev kits for these other platforms? Right. Um, yeah, it's so very exciting. I, I'm, I'm ready. About it. Yeah, so <laughs> hopefully we'll get, get to talk to them soon and, and get some more details about the game. It is a sequel, and it follows um, a different character. So it's, it's pretty cool, and I'm looking forward to that. But I uh, just kind of wanted to plug that for a moment in case uh, that comes up sooner rather than later. So, Well, but, while we're talking about indie games for the Switch, what's going on in that world? Oh, so Nintendo is at PAX, of course, PAX West. Um, and uh, a ton of, of things were announced. Um, for example, the, the rumors that Super Meat Boy were coming to Switch is basically true. It's called Super Meat Boy Forever. It's coming in 2018. So I hadn't heard that. I'm a huge Super Meat Boy fan. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so, I'm one of like yeah. three people in the world that beat it, I think. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm sure Ryan holds the title. No, it's very, very difficult if you guys haven't played it. It's no, one have, of the I hardest games seen. out there. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't Steam actually. Version, so, you know. I do need to pick that Steam version up. I'm gonna look if it you up. Get it on right Steam. Now. Make sure you have a controller to play it with. That's the trick. You have to it's play it with so a controller. Hard. You can on actually keyboard, link your PS4 like, yeah. now. Your PS4 controller. Yeah, and and the Xbox wired controllers work with it too. I use an Xbox yeah. 360 controller with my computer. Not too bad. Or you can be hardcore like me and continue using a mouse and keyboard and just never beat the game. You won't even beat one level, probably. <laughs> I beat the first level, all okay. right? Congratulations. <laughs> That's further than I thought you would make it. Um, but uh, So that was one. Uh, they announced, of course, uh, a couple extra details about the Shovel Knight sequel, uh, which um, will be coming out uh, sometime soon. I'm drawing a blank on the date. Uh, tons of stuff. There, there's a golf RPG called uh, Golf Story where you play a golfer and it has RPG components built into it, which is a little interesting. It's a little unique. Um, not something that I've ever really seen before, but there's a trailer for that out. And um, I mean, it looks kind of cute. It, it's, a, it's an exclusive, comes out this September, and it's, it's a cute looking game. Um, another cute game is Yono. A, uh, it's called Yono and the Celestial Elephants, even though you kind of just play as one elephant. But it's this very colorful um, kind of, oh, you know, kind of third-person, top-down uh, kind of game where you, uh, you play as an elephant and you can interact with things and blow stuff up and, and stuff like that. So that, that's a pretty cute one. 
uh, tons of stuff. I mean, so Nintendo's got this uh, initiative called Nindies and for you know for indie games, Nintendo Indies. And so they just have a huge showcase, and they showcase a bunch of stuff coming to Switch. Most of them are some combination of exclusive, even if it's timed, which um, can get very confusing, of course, because it looks like games are more exclusive than they are sometimes. But, uh, you know, there's some good stuff out there. Um, mostly Switch stuff. They didn't really announce anything for, for DS, for the DS line, which uh, is not shocking, given the fact that we... Um, we know that the push really right now is uh, is Switch. And um, oh, before we move off of Nintendo, I do want to mention that I think I was actually able to snag an SNES Classic pre-order. Guys, if you didn't catch last week's episode, he was very upset, very angry at scalpers and not being able to pre-order one. So this is a huge win, huge win. Slow golf cap- clap for you. Derek. Yeah, I had some little punk uh, try and insult me on Twitter. He, he uh, I, I was just saying that you know, I, I really didn't think it was cool that, that people were taking advantage of, of scalping for this stuff. And uh, this person said, it's called capitalism. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I'm sure I said this last week, but if that's your opinion, uh, you're just wrong. So, uh, well, he also but, only enjoys organic ice. So make sure that that's true. I don't know what that means. I don't either. Well, he's probably a hipster is what I'm getting at. That's not nice. Ah, it's fine. We don't, we don't, we don't know that. Any hipsters listening to this show, we're sorry about John. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't know John had this prejudice against hipsters. Well, if you're cool and you don't say stupid shit like that, then we're, co- we're good. Okay. <laughs> That's really a difference. Cool but uh, I think I was able to snag one at uh, walmart.com, and I was really nervous for a while because it took forever to get the confirmation, um, but, uh, but I think I got one. So That's because Ryan put it in a word for you. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm friends with the CEO. <laughs> no, I was actually – so for anybody who's looks, whoever looks for deals like this, I was following a Twitter account um, at Nintendeals, and they oh uh, really did a – a great job of notifying people and stuff like that. So shout out to them, but all right, so let's move on from Nintendo and Ryan is going to talk to us about what is new in the world of overwatch. Overwatch. Yes. Uh, it's a game and there are new things happening in it. Uh, so awesome. uh, last this week, uh, or actually what is say what Wednesday that we're recording this on a Wednesday. Um, the event, the last summer games event. I don't know if you guys talked about it on the podcast at all, but um, it was a repeat of last year's event. Uh, and they allowed you to get some of the skins from last year's event that you couldn't get uh, normally during the normal course of the year. Uh, it was, so that was pretty cool. They had some new ones also that ended on Monday and they have now two days later, actually I think they added it in yesterday. They have added the much anticipated death, death match game mode, uh, which, if you're not familiar with gaming and don't listen to this podcast on a normal basis, Deathmatch is just basically they Free dump a all. bunch of people into a bowl and whoever yeah. <laughs> kills the most people wins, um, which is very much against the spirit of what Overwatch is. Uh, it's it's a team-based, objective-based game, um, but a lot of people have been clamoring for Deathmatch mode, um, mm. and so they did add that in uh, yesterday. They... Uh, yeah, I, pl- I was able to play it. 
for a little while earlier today, and basically it's uh, all junk rats all the time. Uh, hey, hey, fam- hey! Familiar easy with the tread, game? Tread lightly. If you're familiar with the game, Junkrat is the most cheap and easy to use character in the game, and oh. uh, has basically his power set lines up really well for a deathmatch, and yeah. Uh, so, so, like, how, how does that work? I mean, I would imagine there's got to be some characters who are just never going to be picked. Right. Well, I mean, you're obviously not going to pick in a in a uh, the free for all deathmatch. You're obviously not going to pick Mercy. Right, because you can't do anything other than shoot a pistol. You half your abilities are basically gone all the time because you have no teammates. Uh, right. Uh, you know there could be an argument made for Lucio or uh, um, Anna because they have at least offensive abilities as their main uh, main attack, and Lucio has some movement uh, increases. But yeah, I mean, what I, what I was discovering was uh, the first time I joined into the free for all. Uh, it was it was like four junk rats and there's eight people in the, in the match and I was trying soldier because that's a nice well rounded character uh, can do a lot and soldier basically was useless um, and that's a really? character that combat is like the thing for them uh, right I tried Symmetra and Symmetra did better for me but her ultimate is completely useless in a deathmatch scenario because um, there's nobody to protect her teleporter and nobody used the teleporter and there's nobody to protect her shield generator, which is slightly more useful. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the main characters I was seeing was a lot of junk rat, uh, a lot of Farah, a lot of Roadhog. Um, that was pretty much it. There was some McCree. There was a couple of McCrees in there, but it seemed overwhelmingly uh, explosive based splash damage characters. Yeah, I guess that's not super surprising, right? Because you don't have to be quite as accurate. Your skills don't rely on anybody else to give you a hand. Um, you know, a guy like Reinhardt, for example, you know, I guess in you know a one-on-one fight in close quarters has a good good shot, but you know, really a more defensive character because of his overshield and, and things of that. And it's nature. more of a map dependent type thing. There, I, there's only one map for the free for all, at least only one that I saw, and. Uh, it would not lend itself well to a Reinhardt. There's a lot of close quarters stuff, but your charge would be useless for about half the map because there's a lot of edges to fall off of. Um, okay, that's good so, to know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I didn't see anybody try a Reinhardt. I could see it being viable on certain maps, but um, since right now it looks like there's only one map. Uh, they did also add a team free-for-all, or team free-for-all, a team deathmatch, um, <laughs> which is 4v4. Uh, and that one is was more interesting to me. I tend to enjoy team-based more than anything else um but you would you having a healer and having a tank was something that helped you in that in that mode um so it made it the compositions a little more interesting so about the 4v4 are there any restrictions do you have to have you know one character from each class or no you can do all four dps if you want you could do four healers if you want you could do uh whatever you want it's there's it's whatever you think you're going to need um it's right now kind of uh, it, this is a R-rated podcast, right? Yes. It's kind of a clusterfuck right now because uh, <laughs> you know everybody just plays the same characters that they do in the objective-based stuff, and uh, it's not it doesn't work the same way in a deathmatch in a four v four setting. Um, well, it sounds like I'll I'll be just fine. Yeah, because <laughs> well, yeah, in the free for all. <laughs> yeah, in the free for all, you'll be just fine. Um, the how, how about like. 
how about with duplicate characters? Are there any restrictions on on that? You can't have two of two on the team base. You can't have two of the same character on your team, but you can have obviously on opposite teams the okay. same characters. Um, the other big change for Overwatch was uh, it's only on the on the test server right now, but um, they have some very huge character reworks uh, on the on the test server, similar to if you're a player, the Lucio changes that they made. Uh, I think it was a couple months ago, uh, that basically changed the entirety of the way a character plays um, to kind of enhance the fun feeling of the character and in some cases increase the amount of skill it takes to play the character. Uh, so those are interesting, and uh, we'll probably be going live within the next couple weeks. There's still a lot of tuning to do on them. But... I'm stoked about the Mercy changes because I, I play Mercy quite a bit since nobody ever wants to play support, and I, I don't mind it. I like playing Mercy. But she seems to be a lot more interesting now. Um, yeah, she she's definitely more interesting. I think that the skill rating, I'm not sure how you are with aiming, but uh, the skill to actually run her uh, in a way that is offensive, being basically being a battle mercy, uh, is a lot harder now um, during her ultimate phase anyway, which basically... If you're familiar with the game, you know Mercy's ultimate was to resurrect any of her dead teammates in the area um, when she activated it. And with that now has been taken away and been made just one of her general abilities. She can resurrect one teammate every, I think, 30 seconds uh, or 45 seconds. It's on a pretty long cooldown. Um, and then her ultimate is to, gives her Valkyrie mode, which basically makes her able to fly with no restrictions. Uh, she can heal multiple teammates at once, have multiple of her beams, or damage increase multiple teammates, and it made her rate of fire and damage of her pistol much higher. And uh, if you played on the PTR, you probably saw Mercy completely wipe out teams uh, because she's so overpowered right now with, with the way that they have her. So what you're saying is I gotta get in and get some playing done before they nerf her again? I think that you need to <laughs> first practice your aim, and then... And then play her some more, yeah. Uh, she won't go live the way it sits. Uh, there's no way, because she is completely overpowered. Uh, but, yeah, she, she's going to be a lot more fun for sure. Um, yeah. Diva is the other one that got big changes. Uh, they Basically, people were complaining about her being a defense matrix spam bot. Uh, she could completely wipe out and erase several characters from being able to do anything just by spamming her defense matrix as much as she could. She could eat people's ultimates. Uh, so it was a pretty powerful ability. So they basically cut her time in half that she can use the defense matrix. Uh, they made it so she can shoot during her speed boost now, which is something she couldn't do before. And then that's they actually also... pretty nice. It is really nice. Yeah. And they also gave her another ability. I think it's, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a, like a, Missile ability. She can fire cl cluster missiles, essentially. Um, that's her all fire button now, right? Right. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah that's her. well. I actually I think the defense matrix is still her alt, alt fire. I think this is like a shift or E ability. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. You basically aim them on the ground and they hit that spot on the ground. So, and they don't do a ton of damage right now, uh, so they're still tuning that obviously. They, and they don't want to make her into a DPS. I think that's part of the problem right now. Is they're pushing all these characters into being DPS more than they are their traditional roles. Mm -hmm. 
So it's something that they definitely need to work on balancing. And But I'm very excited to see how they deal with the other characters that need rework based on what they've done with these characters. Yeah, balance has always been an issue in Blizzard games, and people who listen to the show know I'm a Blizzard fanboy. I play everything but WoW, and um, that's just because I just don't have the time for an MMO. So, um, you know, they'll keep tweaking stuff till the end of time, and... I'm curious what you guys, how you guys feel about that, because I, I kind of miss the days when a game was released and then the game was was done when it was released, uh, versus now where all of these games just get released and tweaked every couple of weeks until the game isn't played anymore. Ryan, you wanna uh, let me go first because yours is gonna be a longer response than mine. I can already tell you that. Um, <laughs> You're right. I on think that. it's a. I know because I we've talked about this before. Um, it's obviously positive, and I'll tell you why. They're constantly evolving the game, and that's how a game should be. It should be evolving. Um, and uh, let's just be, let's just face it: developers aren't 100% perfect every time they develop a character. And you know, sometimes nerfing or boosting is needed on a character. So. I feel like it's probably an added benefit, and I'm I'm grateful we're not having to pay for these extra, um, extra things that they add, the extra extra abilities and characters and stuff. Because oftentimes, like EA, for example, this you'd be paying for Doomfist, you'd be paying for all those new characters. You you, you well, wouldn't just get them for that's, free. That's a different. I'm not talking about new content. I'm talking about because that that could be considered DLC and add-on packs. I yeah, mean, but but it goes in hand in hand in my opinion because what you call I call enhancing the game is adding a new character, changing the abilities, changing patching things are required. You, you require to patch things. Everybody patches things. But we're not talking about bugs. I'm talking about a character like Mercy. These changes that she's getting. She's going to be a very different character, and while I may be excited about the changes, some people may not be. So the question is more along the lines of, should they have outlined the game and the characters and their abilities better ahead of time, or does this type of strategy lead them to kind of the the premise of, well, it doesn't have to quite really be balanced yet because we can fix it later? I don't think that's the attitude. I think the I think it's they decided, well, what can we do that's kind of fun? And, oh, let's take a character that per capita people play the least of and see if we can enhance her, make her fun, make her playable again. Well, I don't know. She's just an example. I mean, they've they've modified pretty much everybody. Every character. Right. Well, not every character has gotten a full full rework. Like, these these and the Lucio, I think, are the first ones that have gotten a complete rework of the character. Yeah. and I think I, I'm with John on this. I don't think that it's a, a negative. I think that uh, for somebody that plays the game a lot, like it's probably a, a more negative, uh, bigger negative for me than it would be for somebody like you, Derek, because you play the game once every six months or so. Uh, so, you know, you completely have forgotten how to play Mercy by the time you get back on. Uh, to the game. So now that it's a, it's like learning a char- the character all over again, except you get new stuff. It's not what you remember. Uh, and I think that that would be fun for a lot of people. For somebody like me that plays a lot more, uh, I have to completely learn how to play against a character or with a character uh, over again because I'm so used to the meta being what it is. Um, and I, but I I welcome the challenge and and the spice to my game life. 
because uh, you know everything gets stale after a while, and right. when you get what's essentially a new character in the in the body of the old character, uh, it it I think it's fun, and it, and I like play, I'm one of the people that likes to play every character, so uh, you know it gives me a chance to learn some new stuff and you know still feel at home because I'm still playing the same character. Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah, I guess I'm just thinking about it from the the bigger picture of gaming in general where we're just seeing games updated and changed drastically after release and whether or not... I think it keeps it fresh. I think that's the thing is, like, they don't want people to get bored because they want people to buy loot boxes in Overwatch's case. And there's a lot of other games that have that same kind of mechanic. Team Fortress 2 was doing it, you know... 10 years ago. So, uh, you know, I, I think it just keeps it fresh for the players. And, you know, I think the majority of people are good with it. I think that the minority, there are a minority of people out there that, uh, probably have a problem with it, but I think the majority are, are okay with it. And I'm certainly okay with it. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, before we go on to our, our final big topic, which is half-life three, we can just have a, a moment of silence for the Xbox One, which has been discontinued to lead the way for the S and the X. Um, not really shattering news or anything like that, but uh, Microsoft has announced that the Xbox One, the launch version of that, is officially discontinued. So if you find one in a store, that's just remaining stock. They're not they're not manufacturing any. So shortly, the S and the X will be the only ones available to you. So if you want the big black VCR-looking one, you better go out and get that now. Okay, so let's Good do moment this. of silence, guys. Good right. moment of silence. <laughs> I was being ironic. Oh, sarcastic. okay. Mainly sarcastic. Hey, um, hey, I had a lot of good times with that system. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. I upgraded to the S. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that Xbox. I just, I'm not, you know... I was kind of surprised that to hear that they were still manufacturing that one, to be honest. So, um, you know, not really crazy news. But let's talk Half-Life 3. So um, this week we uh, we got a little snippet about what Half-Life 3, which is an officially canceled game, very well could have been if, you know... It actually is not officially canceled at this point, just FYI. Yeah, sure it isn't. Valve has been completely silent, so. Okay, well, then let's talk about that then. So, Ryan, you're the most knowledgeable about this topic. I have never played a Half-Life game. Which is a shame for somebody that is hosting a gaming podcast to not have played one of the best games of all time. You can't play them all, Ryan. You can't play them all. Okay. Well, basically, so... If you aren't familiar with the franchise, um, in 1998, Valve released uh, Half-Life, which in the time that it was released, I've gone over this with, with you guys before, I, I think. Um, it yeah, was... when he defended Gordon Freeman to the end. Whatever. No, this was, this was, that was the character. The, the game itself uh, was very new and brought a lot of elements in, with it, a lot of new mechanics that hadn't been ever seen in a game before and are now seen as standard uh, parts of a game. Uh, physics challenges, uh, you know, the way the story was told, the storytelling design, things like that were that had never been done before the way that Half-Life did them. Uh, the, the sad part of it is that you could, 
if you went back and played Half-Life, the original, you would not get the same experience because you've played other games since that game came out that have used those elements. So it's just going to seem like a version of those games with crappier graphics, uh, which is sad. Because at the time, it was it was uh, very, very uh, new ground for everybody that got to play it. Anyway, uh, a significant amount of time later, Half-Life 2 came out which did a similar thing. It brought more new physics, uh, much better graphics that actually still hold up today. Um, An engine that was very easily modifiable for people that wanted to modify and make their own games, and several successful games have come from Half-Life mods. Um, and then they, after Half-Life 2 came out, they decided to move to more episodic content. When releasing the, the initial plan was to release an episode, I think, every three months. So they came out with Half-Life 2 Episode 1 a few months after uh, Half-Life 2 came out. And then they came out with Half-Life 2 Episode 2, I think, six to eight months after Half-Life 2 Episode 1 came out. And they... They said that they were going to do three, which was going to wrap up the storyline for the main character, Gordon Freeman, um, within the several months after that. Uh, and then it didn't come, and it didn't come, and it's a big uh, – it was a meme on the internet and among gaming circles for a very long time. Still is uh, about how long this game was taking to come out. Um, Duke Nukem would be a comparable uh, kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. Duke Nukem 3D came out, and it had to have been, what, like 96 uh, and and Duke Nuke, the next Duke Nukem game didn't come out until 2011, I think, or 12. Uh, it's called Duke Nukem Forever, and it was released in a and failed miserably at everything. It was original. it was basically a 2000. You know what I mean? It was a 90s game in the 2000s, it early was a 2000s. Cash grab, game. Is basically yeah, it was pretty game. bad. Yeah, it was. Pre- I played it, and I was very excited for it because I'm a huge Duke Nukem fan, and that game was just a huge letdown. Yeah, and, and that was the most comparable thing to what, what Half-Life fans have felt, although Half-Life fans have felt it on a much larger scale than, uh, than you know, what, what Duke Nukem fans have felt. Um, although I will say that I would rather they never release Half-Life 3 than have it be Duke Nukem forever. Right. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Why, why release utter shit when, when, you know what I mean? Like, people would much rather prefer that. Just don't do it. Right. Well, the big news story that came out this week was one of the former Half-Life writers that worked at Valve um, released a synopsis of what was going to, what could have happened in Half-Life Three uh, or Half-Life Two, Episode Three, however it would have come out, um, and that blew the internet away. Uh, the guy's website that he posted it on was shut down multiple times because of the amount of traffic that it was getting. Uh, so other sites ended up having to host it. Uh, it was not a full closure for any Half-Life fan because the ending was still left pretty ambiguous. Um, but at least it gave you some more information on what the intentions were for the franchise. It also means that basically uh, probably Half-Life 3 is never going to happen at this point. So That's how you interpreted I... it? <laughs> Sorry. Well... I mean, I, I think a lot of people have already kind of felt that way. I guess my big question would be, Ryan, from your perspective, since you're such a fan of the franchise, why do you think a game that has such a huge following didn't get the sequel that it seems everybody wants? Uh, well, I mean, it's a very easy question to answer definitively. Uh, there's there's a couple reasons. 
one, um, ever since Valve released Steam, if you if you're game on a PC, you know what Steam is. If you don't know what Steam is, because you don't play on PC, it's a don't listen to this podcast. Get out of here. <laughs> it's a it's a program on, on PC <laughs> that that basically uh, stores all your games, keeps track of them, and sells games, uh, and it gives you direct downloads from anything you purchase. You can pre-order. You can do all the same things you can do anywhere else, but it's all in one contained package. Uh, and all your game the games that you've purchased are stored under your account. So if you transfer computers or your or something like that, you can easily get those games back. Um, and when they did that, they basically didn't realize that they were getting a license to print money because uh, ever since Steam has come out, that's been Valve's main source of income. Um, and I remember back in the day when Steam first came out, and there were memes about how bad it was, and everybody hated it. Uh, but it's crazy the the amount of change that has happened, and it's now seen as one of the premier places to get and play games online. Um, the other reason I think is is for specifically for Half Life is uh, that the game was so hyped. The first two games were both extraordinarily well received. Anybody who's played on PC uh, for any length of time would probably be is more likely that they would have played the game and probably would put it in some of their favorite games of all time. At the very least, Half Life Two, uh, for sure, if they weren't around to play Half Life when it released. But uh, to to be able to make a third game that has a decade or more of hype uh, about how how it's going to be. Uh, there's no way that Valve could have made a game to satisfy those people. Uh, and because it's become such a memed thing, uh, you know, it's more than just the, the hardcore Half-Life fans that are invested at this point. Uh, so I think that those reasons are the, are the main reasons as to why they haven't released this game. Fair enough. Um, so do you, do you think that this was, this kind of post was something that was helpful to, to those people who were looking to to see more of the game, or do you think that this was just kind of, you know, disappointing for them to hear or even maybe rile some people up who were, you know, hoping that it was going to lead to a new game? I think it's likely a little bit of both. Uh, I mean, for me, it was disappointment that that means that we're probably never going to get a Half-Life sequel because the... Uh, all the writing team and everybody has left Valve. The, the writer that posted that left Valve. All the rest of the writing team have left over the past few years. Um, but, I mean, it does give you some more information as to the way, the way they intended the franchise to go. Uh, so, I mean, you at least got some closure as to what happened to Gordon and what happened to Alex and what happened to all the other people that you've grown invested in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of both. It's, it's uh, sweet and sour. That's fair. Would you have preferred if Valve had sold the rights to another developer? No. I, I think that... Uh, man, I mean, Valve has not released any game that has flopped. They're, the way that they... I love and I hate the way that their business operates. Uh, but one thing that you can't say is that they make they don't make bad games. They're, there's never made a bad game, and Half-Life 3 would have been great. Duke Nukem Forever, part of the reason why it was so bad was because it went through several different developers. 3D Realms went bankrupt. Somebody bought the yep. license to Duke Nukem Forever, and then eventually 2K Games 
uh, got the license. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I th- I'm sure they were passionate about the project and fans, but because it would be different writers and different, you know, different people involved, it wouldn't have the same feel. And the way the story was told in those games was very, very specific. And you could tell you were playing a Half-Life game because no other game played the way that Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2 did. And I think that if they changed any of that, it would have really hurt the game. Yeah, I think that that's a very fair way to look at it, and I definitely don't disagree. Um, you know, it's almost like when you know a TV show or or movie rights get moved to another company, and the tone usually shifts. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, but um, yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. John, do you have anything to add? What are, what are I, your feelings on this? I mean, that's he pretty much nailed it. Like with the Duke Nukem story, it's just a tragedy um, for those type of games, but. I currently have Half-Life, basically all of the Half-Lifes waiting to be played on my PC as we speak, and I want to play them. So people who are getting in there for the first time, what is the advice, Ryan? What's the advice? Oh, gosh, I, I, Half-Life is my favorite game of all time, but I, I feel like if you didn't play it in 98, you're not going to get the same experience. I feel like at this point, if you try to play Half-Life first the original you're probably going to be disappointed because it's not going to seem that different than anything else you played uh so i would probably recommend people start with half-life 2 and just you know start it out you you, there's a little bit you'll be missing uh you know some background on the main character and things like that yeah Uh, and some of the cameos from characters from the first game you won't have the same feeling but the game's graphics are so much better, and especially if you have John. I know you built a computer in the last year. You'll be able to run it on all Mac settings, uh, and and it's going to look not. I mean, it's not going to look like a brand new this gen game, but it's going <laughs> right. to look way better than the original Half Life will. Um, so I would say start with that uh, and play through Episode One and Episode Two. And if you like those, then go back and play Half Life and get the original story that you missed out on, um, and you know. Just and just enjoy it, take it all in, and you know, realize. Keep in mind when the games were made. Um, you know, it's it's tough if you didn't play them around the time they were released. I still think Half Life Two has some pretty innovative gameplay, um, to even today. So I think you'll really enjoy that. So give that a shot. And if you haven't played Team Fortress Two, it's free on Steam, and it was originally a mod for the original Half Life. The original Team Fortress Classic was. It's one of the games that has grown out of the Half-Life engine and has turned into its own beast. You should try that, too. Um, It's a free download on Steam, and it's a lot of fun if you like class-based shooters online. And, you know, don't don't forget that indie games have become very popular, and a lot of indie games have older-style graphics just from a a budgeting perspective. They don't have as many developers. They don't have as much money to, to spend. And so a lot of people still enjoy those games. So I think if a game is solid, if it's a good game, if it's mechanically sound and it's got a, a decent story and things of that nature, people can still enjoy it today no matter how it looks. You know, um, A game like you know Shovel Knight, which kind of took the indie game by storm uh, a few years ago, I love Shovel Knight, but I mean it's not like a graphically intensive game. It's a 16-bit side-scroller platform you know, uh, platformer games. So I think people can still really enjoy something like the original Half-Life from just a visual perspective because you're keeping in mind that, yeah, this game was made in the 90s and it's not brand new and it's not top of a, you know, cutting edge from a technology perspective, but it's a good game. I think that's really all that matters. 
Yeah, and but I I think the the thing that makes it tough about the original Half Life is because the gameplay elements that were so good and innovative back in 1998 are not as good or innovative now because they're so well used. So I mean, the it might not seem as good of a game now. If this makes any sense, it's kind of hard a hard thing to describe. Um, but just no, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I do. Okay. I, I definitely understand it. And maybe look at it, you know, through through those lenses if you can. I mean, using Shovel Knight as an example, one of the things that makes Shovel Knight great is the fact that it takes advantage of all of the the styles, the mechanics, some of the tropes and things like that from platformer games. Like, you know, all the Super Marios and Metroid and, and you know, games like that. So Half-Life, a lot of games were influenced by it. So just... Kind of look at it through those lenses. Almost every first-person shooter that comes out nowadays is, is influenced by it. I mean, it's it's incredible the the amount of change. I mean, before Half Life came out, uh, I don't know how much PC games gaming you guys were doing at that point, but Me, uh, I was doing zero. <laughs> it was like <laughs> Wolfenstein 3D. Uh, yeah, Wolfenstein, not even Wolfenstein 3D. Duke Nukem 3D. Uh, Doom. Doom. Like that yeah. was as innovative as as a shooter was. You go pick up our red key card. Kill some guys. Go put the take the red key card to yep. the red door, uh, yep. and that's the extent of the mechanics. Literally, Half Life was the first one to use things like you'd have a monster where you could throw a grenade because it was a sound based monster. You'd throw a grenade across the map to get the monster to move so that you could move through to the next area. Um, or you know, there's other physics based things that it had that that are used in a lot of games now, but uh, back then were no. not. But before that, I mean, I was playing Star Wars Dark Forces, and while I love Star Wars Dark Forces. Very simple gameplay. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And even Dark Forces 2, which I think came out around the same time, maybe a little after Half-Life, it was still pretty simple. I mean, really, you got the lightsaber combat, and that was the only thing that was very New. innovative from those games. So, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, if you can, if you feel like you can put yourself in the position just see and like, keep in mind what games were at that point and play Half-Life, and maybe you'll understand the amount of impact that it had. Um but yeah, that was a very sad day when that got released for Half Life, the Half Life Three news. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they used the license for something else. Uh, Steam and Valve are getting more into the VR uh, market, and it wouldn't surprise me if there was a game based in the Half Life universe for um, for the for VR. VR. I mean, I feel like it's kind of silly to have an IP that you know millions and millions of people want, and not use it when you're trying to release new hardware and new consoles. Uh, so it would not surprise me if there was something related to that uh, that came out. That's a good point. All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for us, unless you guys have anything else you want to add. Uh, we're getting close to an hour here. So, Ryan, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. I'm glad to just talk over and over and over again and not let anybody speak for you know, anytime you guys want me, I'm happy to do that for you. Hey, we, we brought you on for your knowledge, man. So that's, you know, keep that in mind. But uh, do you guys, you know, so John and Ryan both uh, also uh, work uh, and uh, run a prop building company. Do you guys want to kind of plug that? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've said it on some of these podcasts before, but Buster Props, we do costuming uh, and, uh, you know, any kind of props for any kind of production. We'll do stuff for short films or um, cosplay. Most of our stuff is uh, based in the cosplay world, but we'd be happy to talk to somebody about other other uh, markets. Uh, but, yeah, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Buster Props. Um, we have a Twitter, too. I never really check it. 
but okay, I think we send tweets sometimes. I hit the Twitter <laughs> button on Instagram when I share posts, so I'm sure something posts, but who knows what it is. Yeah, <laughs> I don't ever check it. Uh, we have a store on Etsy as well, but you can get to that from uh, from any of our social media. Cool, cool. And yeah, you guys do uh, 3D printing and sculpting. Sculpting, molding, casting, uh, foam work. We can do pretty much anything for uh, any kind of costuming we can make happen. What he said. Thanks, John. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. You're very helpful. That's what I'm here for, motivational Absolutely. support. <laughs> well, you can uh, you can find us at heroespodcast.com. We have two other shows, Screen Heroes, that Ryan and I co-host with Ray of Siren Ray Cosplay. And we have Costume Couture, which is a web series. Uh, which is hosted by Siren Ray and House of Turner Cosplay, where they talk about costumes and cosplaying. So check us out at Heroes Podcasts on all the social medias. Don't forget that we're running a contest. Once we hit 10 reviews on iTunes for Gamer Heroes, we will randomly select one of you to win a video game. And what that game is will be up to the winner, as long as it's a game that's actually for sale. So go to HeroesPodcast.com, hit the iTunes link, drop us a review. We'll give you a shout-out. Otherwise, we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.